Do you enjoy our podcasts? Help us to be able to continue creating quality content by visiting our merch store at store.another12.org. You'll find some great merch there, and the best part about it is that a portion of every purchase goes to support the work that we do. Welcome to Drippings from the Honeycomb, the official podcast of Another 12 Ministries. We are so glad that you have decided to join us as we enjoy the sweetness of God's Word, one verse at a time. Hello and welcome to our 15th and final episode in our journey through the book of 1 Peter. This has been a really amazing journey for me personally, having this great opportunity to dive into the book of 1 Peter a little deeper than I normally would, and I really have enjoyed reading all of the book. I would encourage you, if you've been listening to each of these episodes, to go back and read the book, to get it in its full context, because it really is an amazingly beautiful pastoral letter from a man who loves his church, who loves the people that he's brought the gospel to, who is excited to see them succeed in their faith and desires for them to be a light to the world. He really wants this church to be successful. He wants this church to go out and fulfill God's calling on it. He wants the Christians to be encouraged. He wants them to bear up under persecution. And this is written by a man who you can really tell as he's penning these words, is looking forward to seeing this church in eternity. Yes, of course he's concerned about their conduct in the here and now, and he's concerned about their faith and how they govern themselves and how they portray a witness to the world and bring the gospel to the world and honor Jesus Christ here on this earth. But you can see through the letter that he is really kingdom focused. He is thinking about seeing them in heaven after Christ returns. This is really the focal point of what he is writing about. And he's not alone here. You can see the same theme in Paul's letters and in other letters in the New Testament. Everything always points to the return of Christ. Everything points to this time when Jesus will return, gather his church around him, destroy the world, remake it in perfection again, and then give this new perfected earth to his people and join them there. And everything that Peter is encouraging his followers, his churches to do is pointed at Jesus. It's pointed at this great moment for the church when Jesus will come back and will set up an eternal kingdom in which the church will flourish forever as the people of God. And on this podcast, we've talked a lot about the overarching sovereignty of God, not just in season three here as we've looked at First Peter, but even back when we looked through Matthew and when we looked through Ruth, we talked a lot about God's sovereignty. And I've talked a lot about God's sovereignty even in the way it relates to this podcast and how Certain dates and times will align with different passages that weren't even planned for those dates and times, but through God's sovereign will, that's how he worked it out. And so, again, coming to this last episode, really seeing God's sovereignty in the way that this has all shaped up. We're recording this a week before Christmas, and today's passage is really a benediction. It's all about the encouragement that Peter is leaving his churches with. He has given them lots of instruction, and that's no different in chapter 5 of 1 Peter. He gives them instruction, but he gives them this incredibly powerful and comforting benediction. And I just think it's so appropriate that this episode is being recorded right at Christmas time, a time when the whole world is reminded of the birth of Jesus, but especially followers of Jesus Christ 
take a moment to look back at what God has done, how God has interrupted history and he has set his sovereign plan in motion and what that means for everyone who's a follower of Jesus. The, the eternal implications that stem from the birth of Jesus Christ is such an encouragement to all of us who follow Christ, who have put our hope in him, who have looked at this fallen world and understand that this is not our true home and recognize that the birth of Jesus Christ is the interruption in history that made a way possible for people who were hopeless, who were lost, who had no future, to look forward to a glorious future. So with that encouragement, let's dive in and take a look at Peter's closing words to his churches as he encourages them to pursue Jesus Christ, to pursue God with all of their heart. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, I don't know about you, but this language, which is not alone here in First Peter, it is repeated throughout the Old and New Testament, this theme of God caring for his children, is so incredibly comforting for me. As I've alluded to in other episodes of this podcast, our family has experienced many trials over the last two decades, and it has been difficult at times to remain hopeful. It has been difficult at times to look at what God is doing in our lives and be excited, be filled with anticipation at the work that God is doing in our lives, because some of the sanctification journey that he has laid out for us has been very, very difficult. And I'm sure that your story is very similar to mine. I'm sure that God has laid out difficult times in your sanctification journey where tomorrow didn't look like an exciting idea. Tomorrow, the sound of it sounded like more of the same, more stress, more anxiety, more weight, more care, more suffering, more struggle. And the churches that Peter's writing to here are going through exactly that. Tomorrow doesn't look like a very exciting prospect. They are experiencing persecution. They are being shunned by the communities that they're in. They are struggling. The government is turning against them. They are being assailed on every side by some form of stress, by some form of need, by some form of anxiety or some form of attack or persecution. And they're probably tired. They're probably exhausted. They're looking at the world and recognizing because they follow Jesus, they no longer fit in the world. And that is a real reality of following Jesus. When we follow Jesus with all our hearts, we lose our citizenship to this world. We no longer care about the things that the world cares about. We no longer pursue the things the world pursues. Our goals, the things that drive us forward, are different than the world. We don't pursue the same things, or at least we shouldn't pursue the same things that the world does. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to have a different calling on our lives, and that is supposed to impact the way we live every day. And if it does impact the way we live every day, life is difficult at times. Sometimes God brings trials into our lives that are very painful, whether they are persecution or sickness or hardship or financial trial, and the list goes on and you could just keep naming things that God allows to come into the lives of his children to teach them how to trust in him. Believers have been going through this for thousands of years. It's nothing new. The struggle that you and I are facing today and the struggle that you and I will face tomorrow is exactly the same as the struggle the people faced who opened this letter when it came from Peter over 1,900 years ago. 
The Christian walk can be very difficult. In fact, it's highly probable that the Christian walk was much more difficult for these first Christians than it is for those of us who live in free countries in the Western world. Just like it is much more difficult for our brothers and sisters today who live in countries that persecute the gospel or that have populations that actively persecute and violently persecute the gospel. But no matter where you are, no matter what life God has called you to, no matter what country he has put you in, you will face some form of hardship as a Christian because that is something that Jesus promised that we would face persecution. And we covered that in previous episodes of this podcast. But Peter wants the church, both the Christians that he's writing to directly here and those who would read this passage of scripture, this letter that would become scripture, for hundreds of years to come, thousands of years to come, he wanted them to be encouraged. And Peter took this idea, just like Paul took this idea, just like Jesus expounded on this idea, from the Old Testament. It's nothing new here. This idea is in Scripture, the idea that we can rely on a God who loves us to take care of us. The Psalms have two specific places where they mention very similar things. The first one can be found in Psalm 37, where it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. And if you have time, go read that. It's Psalm 37, 1 through 9 is the whole passage. I only read a piece of it. But that is in the middle of David talking about how we should not be upset when those around us are filled by doing evil. Why? Because God has our good at heart. God has our good in mind, and he holds the world in his hands, and he is sovereign, and he holds us in his hands, and he will ensure that his children are cared for. The other passage that this passage rests on is Psalm 55, and you can read that entire psalm. It's an excellent psalm to read. It's a prayer of distress before the Lord. But in the midst of that prayer of distress by David, where he's calling out to God, begging him for salvation from his situation, he has this to say, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. See, this theme of casting yourself on God that Peter expounds here, that Paul would expound, that the writer of Hebrews would expound, that Jesus would teach about during his time on earth, this concept of laying yourself humbly before the Lord is not new. It has existed since the very beginning of the scriptures being authored. All the way back in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, we see a man cast himself on the Lord. That man was Noah. And he rested and trusted in God's seemingly insane plan to build a huge boat. And God cared for him. He spared him. He brought him through that distress. And obviously we know because everybody else died that the line of the Messiah had to pass through Noah at that point. And so God's plans never fail. God's plans are perfect. And the people who are righteous, the people who cry out to God, the people who put their future in God's hands, he takes care of them. The people who love God, the people who are called by his name, are taken care of by God's sovereignty, by God's power. And that's what Peter wants these Christians to know. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. God is going to take care of you. 
God is going to sustain you no matter what is going on around you. Now, like everything that man is faced with, we ultimately twist it and turn it and look at it from a sinful perspective because we are so sinful. And I really think that there have been many, many sad twists and departures from this truth by the church over its history. The reality is there are two extremes that this can be looked at. The first extreme is that, well, following God is going to lead me to prosperity. And that just isn't true. We know that because the lives of many faithful followers of God did not portray earthly prosperity. They did not have wealth and riches. Everything didn't always go right. In fact, some of the greatest warriors for the kingdom of God suffered immense sufferings. Death, sickness, poverty, struggle, all kinds of things. And yet, they stayed faithful, and God met them every step of the way. This is not a jinx promise. Don't think just because there are some Christians out there that struggle in these various ways that God is not fulfilling his promise to take care of these Christians. If you were to talk to these people who struggle, they would assuredly say to you, God takes care of my needs. That's the whole point. God is good to his children. He meets us when we need him. He takes care of us. He's already working on our futures before we're even thinking about them. And just because he allows us to go through difficult times doesn't mean that he has forgotten us. It means that his hand is right underneath us, girding us up, holding us up, keeping us secure through that trial, even though we're struggling. The other twisted viewpoint on this promise of God to take care of us is that we need to test God. We need to put him to the test by making ourselves as poor as possible. That it is impossible to be godly if we have any type of material resources here in this earth. And we know that's not true because we see stories of many men and women who God has blessed with immense resources, immense wealth here on this earth, that they have ultimately turned it around and used it for his kingdom. Many of the people who funded the early church were actually Tremendously wealthy people that God saved and then gave them a heart to use their earthly resources to fund this growing church, to fund this mission work that was taking place in the world. See, God didn't give them money for their own ease. He didn't give them resources for their own ease. He gave them resources so that they would have what they needed to spend on the kingdom of heaven. He gave them resources to throw it away in the eyes of the world. Because to someone who is worldly, spending money to promote the kingdom of God is pure folly. And yet these people who were gifted with tremendous resources by God and saved by God did not see it that way. They saw it as an investment and they gave willingly and generously. So manufactured poverty, taking on a position of poverty just because we think that makes us more godly, is just the opposite side of a twisted view that sinful man has concocted in his own fallen mind. In reality, what we need to do and what Peter is telling us to do here is to humble ourselves before God. In other words, empty ourselves of all our grand plans and lay them before the Lord. Empty ourselves of the belief that we are the ones that can take care of ourselves. Lay down the worldly pursuits and trust God to give us what we need at the right time. Personally, I can think of no better examples in the word of this reality playing out in real life than Joseph and Daniel. 
Joseph and Daniel are two young men who find themselves in incredibly difficult circumstances, circumstances that we would never want to find ourselves in. Joseph is the son of a wealthy man who is sold into slavery by his brothers because they hate him. And he subsequently is falsely accused, even while he's a slave. So it goes from bad to worse. He's put in prison. Now he's at this lowest of low, but he was right where God wanted. And wherever he was, whether it was Potiphar's house or whether it was the prison, he worked hard so that he excelled at the role given to him. He excelled at the role so well, even in the prison, that he became the head prisoner, if you will, in charge of all of the other prisoners, that the prison guard trusted him so much that he gave him that kind of authority within the jail. See, Joseph humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. He understood that God had put him in the prison for a reason. There was a a reason for him to be there. And he needed to excel with all his heart at serving God in that place. He needed to have a good attitude. I am sure that Joseph had bad days. And yet he accepted this challenge. He accepted this place that God had put him and said, you know what? This is the trial that I have to bear right now, and I'm going to do the very best I can with it. And when the time was right, God elevated Joseph to a place of influence and power through which he blessed the nation of Israel ultimately. By feeding the family of Joseph from Joseph's own ingenuity of preserving grain, and thereby preserving the line of the Messiah. Joseph is a great example to see how God's sovereign will plays out even through the trials that he sends the way of his children. And Joseph's willingness to humble himself under the mighty hand of God, even in an Egyptian prison, put him in a position where God then elevated him at the exact time when his unique skill set was going to be needed. And God empowered him with that skill set through the experiences that he gave him. He built him up and he made him able to do this incredible work that was already planned for him. And Joseph was obedient. Joseph was humble. Daniel has a similar story. Daniel most likely came from a royal family of Judah, some high upstanding noble family of Judah, because in the Babylonian culture, when they captured other nations, they took the nobles into the Babylonian court and re-educated them, or more like reprogrammed them would be a better word to use, to be members of the Babylonian cabinet, but with international perspectives. This was actually a quite intelligent way of building a government capable of governing multiple nations that were now under tribute to the Babylonian crown. And so this young noble, Daniel, finds himself captured, his homeland destroyed, many of his social circle dead from the war, from the conflict, and his homeland just ravaged. And now he is put in chains and dragged away to a foreign land where he is to be re-educated, to think in a way like the conquering kingdom. And instead of giving in, instead of playing it safe, Daniel humbles himself at the risk of losing his life multiple times. He humbles himself under God's hand and obeys God instead of the Babylonian king. And he even goes so far as making pleas to the Babylonian king to allow him to maintain his obedience to God. But throughout his life, we know that obedience to God would cost him. It would cost him in his social circle. It would get him thrown into the lion's den at one point. And yet Daniel remains unmoved. 
He stays true to God and God elevates him and elevates him and elevates him always at the proper time, sometimes to bring hope and healing, sometimes to bring judgment, sometimes to pronounce the end of a kingdom, sometimes to write prophecy. But God used Daniel because Daniel humbled himself and trusted God even in the captivity of a foreign nation that had destroyed his homeland. What Peter is telling the believers is no different. You don't know God's plan for you. And worrying, stressing about the world today, stressing about the struggles that are unique to our time right now, isn't going to help you at all. God has put you in the place that you're in, in the time that you're in, in the situation that you're in for a unique and specific purpose. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are not free to decide that you don't like where God has put you. He has put you where he has put you based on his sovereign will. And he wants you to humble yourself and accept the circumstances that he has given you right now. He wants you to say, here is all of me. Have my future, have my hopes, have my dreams, have my gifts, have my skills, have my worldly wealth, my worldly possessions. They're all yours to take. They're all yours to use for yourself and for your kingdom. And when we do that, when we cast ourselves on God, we can cast our anxieties on him as well. We can cast the anguish that we bear every day on him as well. We can say, Lord, these are my concerns. These are the things that worry me. These are the things that I wonder about, that I don't see the end of how this is all going to work out. But here's what I know. I am finite. I can't see 10 minutes into the future. But you are sovereign and you are a God who loves me. You're a God who sent your son to die for me, adopting me into your kingdom. So I can trust you. And that's why the end of what Peter says here is so unbelievable. Humble yourself before God. He'll exalt you at the proper time. Cast all your anxieties on him. But why? Because he's such a big God? Because he's so powerful? Because he's a nice God who has a benevolent heart to people who are in trouble? No, because he cares for you. God cares for you. And that you is a specific you. It's a personal you. It is you, whoever you are. It is me, Tim. God cares for me. God cares for you. And he will always see his children through every situation that he calls them through, no matter what. At the very beginning of the podcast, I read a passage from Psalm 37. And so I think it's only fitting to end it with another passage from Psalm 37. As you near the end of the psalm, David says these words, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he falls, he will not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging bread. Nothing can underscore the whole point of what Peter is saying here better than that statement. Those who love the Lord and are loved by the Lord are secure, no matter what the circumstances. David was king in Israel for a long time, and at the end of his life he makes this statement, the righteous man doesn't lack anything and his children don't beg bread. 
Life might not always be easy, but here's something you can guarantee if you're a child of God. Humble yourself before the Lord and put your anxieties at his feet because he cares for you and he will ensure that you have everything that you need and that he will be with you no matter what the situation is, no matter how difficult the trial he has called you to, he will always be with you. Jesus put it this way, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Drippings from the Honeycomb. If you would like to learn more about Another 12 Ministries and the work that we are doing to train ministry leaders to bring the gospel to all people, visit another12.org. If you would like to support our ministry, click on the donate link in the description below.